Understanding the Palestinian and Israeli situation involves a brief look at the history. It goes back to a promise by Britain to create a Jewish state within Palestine and then years of tensions in the Holy Land. War in 1948 resulted in more than 700,000 Palestinians fleeing or being expelled from their homes. War in 1967 resulted in occupation of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. There were hopes for peace in the 1920s for a two-state solution, but resistance intensified. Welcome to A Cup of Tea and E, a podcast of discussions that are just as vital as your daily cuppa. In recent months, violence in Palestine and Israel flared in reaction to the Israeli government ethnically cleansing Palestinians from the land. People protested in cities all over Palestine over their homes being stolen, which resulted in the Israeli government using excessive force, a storm of Islam's third most holy site, Masjid Al-Aqsa, and devastating airstrikes. A ceasefire was called, but the Gaza death toll exceeds 200 men, women and children and continued to rise. Welcome back to another episode of A Cup of Tea and E. In this week's episode, we aim to amplify Palestinian voices. By doing so, we interviewed a young woman by the name of Dahlia. This is her story. Uh, my name is Dahlia. I born in 1992, uh, 29 years old. So young, very young. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I studied the computer information science and continued my master's degree for uh, wireless wow. networks. And I involved in so many volunteering works uh, in in international uh, world, so I can present our justice uh, in Palestine, and that it's our right to tell our side of the story. Um, I work in a university right now. I had the opportunity to work in a university, so I can help uh, students to be enrolled in uh, the university and uh, take their classes and so. And I've been here and my family all our lives. So we don't know any place else to go. We are Palestinians living in here uh, for so many ages and centuries. I can trace um, back up to six generations uh, Mm -hmm. living around this area. And some of us around in historical uh, Palestine, especially in Yafa. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, they uh, forced to leave and to let our, their land and home in 1948. And they uh, went to Gaza. And, uh, and you're in Gaza right now? No, I'm in Hebron, uh, in a city called Hebron. But my aunts for and grandmother, grandfather for my mother are in Gaza. Their okay. family in Gaza. So do you get to see that family at all? Um, yes, uh, the, they lived uh, in there uh, for 2008. Then we had to take them out from Gaza because they are elders and there's no one to help them. And there's so many words in there. So we get uh, feared and angry and upset. Uh, what's happening in there? We can't protect them. So we had to take them out from there. But unfortunately, not in here. We take them, uh, we took them to Egypt. Oh, wow. So if we want to see them, we had to go to Egypt, then to meet our grandparents. Wow. 
So can you can you tell us uh, what like your daily life as a Palestinian is like living under Israeli settlement? Uh, it is a hard life to live, actually. But let me tell you how it may look like. Uh, imagine yourself living in your own home, waiting to be evacuated in any minute or get kicked out and be replaced uh, with Zionists to live daily in fear. Uh, stressed out of thinking what will happen next your kids are not allowed to play outside because uh, they may get harmed they may get killed in cold blood arrested or just be uh, assaulted by settlers or soldiers you are always tuned the most harmful thing is you demolishing your own home which you build it with hopes and dreams for a better future for you and your kids. Just because the Israeli government told you to just demolish your home, we need the land. It's something that you, you can't understand and you can't be okay with it. So you have to just say, no, it's my home, my land. I need to speak up so everyone can know that it's not just as that what happened to us. Mm-hmm. What what do you do when when if that does happen and and how do you react or so standing up for yourself and saying no it's my home like how how does that usually go? It can delay the demolishing for two months three months. There may be some uh, talk about it and uh, go out to the media and say we don't need we don't have any elsewhere to go. But finally, what the government, the Israeli government wants will happen. If you don't demolish your home, the government will demolish it and you will be kicked out or go to prison. It's your choice. Demolish or prison. How, how does that make you feel? How does that make you and your family feel when you're told that you can either demolish your house or you go to prison? Angry, depressed, frustrated, heavy-hearted. I can list so many more emotions, but it won't be enough to describe the situation. It's too bad to be described in words. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really sorry for that. I'm yeah. really sorry that you have to go through that. And um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what that must be like. So, and and, and that's um, the beautiful, the beauty thing about uh, those podcasts that can. Um, make other people know that we are not as bad as the misleading media says. We are not abandoning our land in our choice. We Mm -hmm. are uh, threatened, we are killed, we are living in fear for every minute of our lives. And it's a day-to-day life to be scared, to be tuned, to be stressed out. And you don't have the choice to leave. Where where else to go? Mm-hmm. It sounds like the so the very restricted choices that you have are, as you said, either allow your house to be demolished or be arrested. What other choices do you not get in a normal day to day life, like just going about your normal work day or a, a weekend? In, in here, there's no weekends to go. You have to stay safe in your home if you want to go from city to other city. You have to waste half the day uh, traveling from checkpoint to other checkpoint and uh, doing what uh, the settlers and soldiers say. And if you want to travel outside this country, you have to travel before you were uh, playing for two days earlier because you need to cross the border and there's three checkpoints. 
one for the other country. We, we don't travel from Palestine. We travel from Jordan. We go from Palestine to Jordan, then uh, from Jordan to wherever you want. And really? of course, there's so many countries that uh, don't uh, give us a visa to go there because yeah. we are, uh, <clears throat> they think that we are uh, terrorists, but we are not. Can you just can you describe what like the experience and what it makes you feel having to go through checkpoints just to like do ordinary daily things like maybe for example going to the supermarket? Uh, sometimes uh, you have to go back to your home with no apparent reason. You don't um, if they don't want you to go through this checkpoint, you will not. Or you can think from um, where I can go without passing this checkpoint. And if you find another way to go, there will be another checkpoint. And if they are connecting to each other, the first one with the second one, you will never leave the, the home. You will be back and postpone your plans or if, whatever you want and do it for another day. Sounds horrible. How often do you need to use them? Is it every day? In average, two times a day, sometimes more. If you are traveling from one place to another, it's uh, it takes more, it takes more than two times. Um, that give you some <clears throat> hint. Uh, let's say, if you have to cross a checkpoint, uh, you have to put in your mind, and there will be cancellation. There uh, will be a delay. You can be sent home back with no apparent reasons. Your errands will be cancelled or postponed for another day. And you don't have the choice whether you like it or not. What the soldier will say, you will have to obey him because you have two choices to get arrested or to get shot. What, what is the process? Do you just queue and then wait until you're, you're allowed to go through? And what, what is the process like? Um, what do they check before you are allowed entry or denied entry? If you are in a car, they will ask you for your identification cards, which you have to carry every minute of your life. You have to, because if the soldier asks you for your ID and you don't have it, you will be punished for three, four hours uh, on the sun beside them just because they want to punish you. You don't have your ID card. Uh, if you are in the car, they ask the IDs for all the persons in the vehicle and then uh, check them on the system. They have uh, digital systems uh, with uh, the soldiers. They search if you are uh, belonging to some political parties, uh, Hamas, Fatih, Jabha, anything. Uh, if you've done anything bad, uh, throw stones or have uh, historical political issues, if you have those, you will be <clears throat> postponed and you will wait until they tell you, okay, you can go. If you don't have uh, any political issues, you are going to uh, have the check for, and for your ID cards for let's say 10 minutes 15 minutes then you can take your id and you may get your personal bags checked or emptied out uh, then you can go it's not an easy process so yeah. a trip in a car for 10 or 15 minutes 
may take one hour because uh, you have uh, 13 minutes for the soldiers to check your personal yeah. belongings yeah. with you, your car, your identifications, and yeah. so on, so on. And what kind of reasons do they give you if they say you're not allowed to pass? And uh, Do they give you a reason or do they just say, no, you need to go home? They, they don't have to. They don't have to. They have the power. They have forces in the streets, uh, fully armed. Uh, you can see the bombs, you can see the guns, you can see the bullets. You, if you say no or try to argument with the soldiers, they will just arrest you for 84 hours. They may be long for one month or one week or according to the soldier, is it a kind one or an angry one? They ha- don't have to, to, to give you a reason why no. No, because I said so. When he says no, you take your uh, belongings, your ID, and just turn back to wherever you came from. Dalia, can I ask you, what about um, schools for children? How is that? Could you explain that to us? Um, There's two areas for schools. There's some area um, almost safe from soldiers, but there's some uh, schools they... The kids are facing the soldiers daily morning for the first time. And when they leave the school the second time, they may have some clashes, uh, stone throwing or some harassment from the soldiers. They are near the checkpoints. What do you mean by um, when they face them? So they so these clashes could happen like in the morning and in the evening between the children and the soldiers or between other people? So the, the schools, they are near the settlers, the children and the kids, they, they are forced to see the soldiers because the soldiers are here to, uh, to protect the settlers. When you are going to your school and hearing some soldiers are uh, <coughs> cursing you and your family and your mother and you just can't be uh, calm and walk away with your way. You have to be some angry. Let's say six and seven and eight years old kids are, don't be angry because they don't understand what's happening. But when you are 10 or 11 or 12, you can know and understand it's not his country. And he are protecting some uh, Zionists and he is attacking you or harassing you or just cursing your mother. You have to be angry. So you have to defend yourself defend your mother and say no my mother is not uh, so and so and so what you say no it's not when the kids say no it's not he stands for himself the soldier well you are replying to me you have the courage to just reply to me then he uh, push him or just uh, kick his ass or just give him a slap the kid will be so angry grab a stone then throw it to the soldier then the clashes will stop so you're talking about schools that are close to settlers and um, Palestinians. Reason I don't understand the um, soldiers are protecting the settlers from. Are they protecting them from children? Yes, because they are uh, told from the minute they were born, Palestinians are your enemies. One day old, one year year old, 60 years old, they are your enemy. They are terrorists. They are going to kill you. We don't have guns. We don't kill anyone. But they told that we are the enemy. Then you, they have to learn uh, 
how to shoot, they learn how to kick, they learn so many things so they can harm us. We don't have anything to play with unless we stand for ourselves. Why do we have those? Because the settlers are put in the center of the city. In, in Palestine, not just around the city, because there is some holy place that is uh, related to Islamic uh, culture and Jewish culture. So, and this uh, holy place is inside the city. So the settlers go there and they have to see the Palestinians go because it's a Palestinian land, but they are still from us. So they live inside the city, not around it. There's so many, um, reasons so they not just the whole place but they have so many um strategic strategic plans to live in there because they cut the city in two halves mm. so they can uh, let's say take control of the city because the hebron have more than 100,000 person living in 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 there and they are strong people they have to stand for themselves and lands and so on so they <clears throat> try to just make it in pieces so they can take control of the land if you could describe in your own words to somebody who has no idea what is happening in palestine what, what would you say is happening actually it's uh, ethnical cleansing for us and your only crime is you are a palestinian living in palestine and you are claiming your right. You are speaking up for yourself and saying, it's my land. If you took it from me or steal it from me, where I'm going to go? Who is going to take care of me? Where to live? It's my family, my, my land, my, my country. No one will accept the Palestinians to live as citizens in there because you left the, your home. You left your land. Where to go and where uh, you claim your rights when it's not yours. So we stay in here and claim our rights and just be arrested and be killed and be just threatened of our life. What would your vision be if you could imagine what an ideal Palestine would look like? Hmm. Unfortunately, it's not the idle world that we have the idol in it but we all the palestinians and uh, living in either living in palestine or in diaspora we hope to live in a free palestine uh, without seeing uh, zionist settlers in 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 our country and we are hoping to be free and not threatening out as the minute you woke up from your sleep to be killed by Zionists or replaced or kicked out or just to live freely out of free without being stressed out without being just I have to think how to protect my land how to protect how my kids my home my everything that I care about we hope to be uh, free and living in a relaxed country and we hope to to have the weekends that we saw and we have to to live a normal life you know we don't live a normal life it's never normal in here you you mentioned that you uh, work at a university yeah so 
with the students that you see there, they're obviously young people, but they're not children. I'm I'm assuming is that is that correct? No, they are not children. 18 yeah. years old and up. So how have you seen the impact on their lives of living in a time where you know they are being ethnically cleansed? Do you do you see an impact on their mental health? We have young people in here. We have young bodies and old minds. We, I can see so many depressed people and just counting day to day. Okay, this day we are alive. The next day we don't know if we are alive or not. So many depressions, so many uh, sadness, so many uh, bigger thoughts than us. When you see, uh, let's say, a young person or a young girl or a young guy who uh, 20 years old and say, I can't stand the idea of... Uh, having a dream for more than two days uh, because I don't know if I will be living after two days. I can go to work, I can go to home, I can eat, sleep, and that's okay for me. But for tomorrow, I will not have any thoughts, any dreams, any bigger dreams, any bigger picture to see because I don't have the luxury of having those plans because one day I'm here, the other I'm not. We have young bodies in elderly minds. Sounds like people have to grow up before their time. You know, we all grew up from the minute we saw the soldiers in the streets. Because we, we we don't have that childhood. You can go out to the street and play, or you can go out to the park and play with other kids, or have a lollipop. No, you have to be uh, scared and looking uh, of your shoulder. Okay, there's a soldier, then it will be some clashes, then we have to go home so my mother can't be stressed out or anxiety because we are out and she doesn't know where I was and there's some clashes in the world. So it's, mm-hmm. it's something that you grow up from six years old and have uh, elderly thinking. Yeah. 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 Excuse me if this is really ignorant of me to, to say, but what kind of help is available, if any, um, for people who are suffering with depression or anxiety? And how how do people overcome that and still continue living? They don't have a choice. They have to continue living. Because every person they have, let's say I have uh, some students, it, it is let's say 22 years old um he has this depression but he the, he just thinking of what i'm going to go he can go to the doctor and take the medicine so that the depression can't be apparent from the outside but the inside he is just waiting to die when you hear that you say, okay what you're going to do if you just counting your day and waiting to um, the answer that I get, I don't have the choice to die because I have my family to support, to give them money, to uh, put food on the table because his father is dead and he is responsible for uh, two sisters, one blind uh, brother and his mother. So I have to be depressed, working 
and preparing and giving my family the support and the food and the uh, care that she needs. I don't have the choice to be depressed and take rest. No, I don't have the choice to be ill. No, I have to be depressed and ill and uh, not very clear in the mentally situation yeah. but i have to go to the work every day so i can bring food to the table because if i don't go to the work i will not have anything uh, to offer for my family and there's no one to help mm-hmm. yeah sound, sounds like they don't have like the privilege to even consider the fact of what their mental health may be like mm. thinking about more recent events and those airstrikes so while you weren't in Gaza or uh, the places that were being um, bombed, how did your day-to-day life change um, during that time? And now that there has been a so-called ceasefire, has it changed again? Actually, the kids in Gaza will need... Uh to be treated from trauma for more than 20 years from now on because they they just demolished Gaza. And there's nine family are just erased from the uh, civilian records. They all killed. So in Gaza, they just waiting the rocket to and missiles to kill them. In here, in other cities, in West Banks and Jerusalem, we just go out for uh, <clears throat> on the uh, checkpoints so we can defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves. We don't need to be killed, but also we get killed and shot dead, and some of us are get arrested. In in other cities, we can hear the sound of missiles go down to Gaza. Uh, it's it's a small place, so we can hear the the voice. The echo of the, the missiles go down and just... <sighs> you have nights, 10 nights, you can hear the missiles just go down and crash and kill people, but you don't have anything to do. We don't have the, the, the strength to stand for ourselves because it's so many forces uh, to just... They are so strong, really, mm. they are so strong. And that's the ironic thing. They are attacking us as civilians and holy sites, and we don't have anything to do. We can uh, be allowed uh, to speak up. We can go on social media. We can speak for ourselves, but what else? What to do? While you were hearing um, the missiles, what were you and your family doing? Actually, I remember the attack on 2000. Uh, I have the impact with it. Uh, I was nine or 10, maybe eight years old. Mm -hmm. But I have the impact of that attack on West Bank with me till this age. Uh, Any uh, unwanted voice or um, any voice that I'm not aware of, it can make me uh, fragile and just be scared and trying to find what is happening, what is wrong, from where the sounds came from. Uh, I'm just a so scared person in this Mm. time, actually. 
when we, uh, my family, uh, heard the voices, they prayed for uh, Gaza and the people in there because they know how bad it is to be killed, how bad it is to be uh, getting out of your home, scared and looking for your kids and you are counting one, two, three, there's one missing. Is there anyone saw him? One, two, three, four. Okay, where's the fifth one? And it's just, it's not something that you can mentally absorb. So, and for me, I was scared. I was scared and relived the uh, 2000 attack another time. At that time, I was hearing the bombs in here in West Bank. But I don't know what's happening. My father and mother uh, took me um, in the night from my bed to theirs and told me, you have to stay in uh, our room. Don't go there because their room are more protected than mine. At that time, I didn't understand what's happening. There's so many voices and they took me from bed uh, after midnight and I said, okay, it's cool. We can play with mom and dad. Then it lasted for, let's say, more than 10 days. <clears throat> In those 10 days, you can just uh, light up your bathroom if you want to go. Because if you light up your bathroom, there's a point for the soldiers. They see the light. They will think there's some political things happening. They will attack you with missiles and rockets and everything. So it's a bad memory for me. And because they are bigger, they can <clears throat> they can handle it more uh, calmly than me. But me, uh, I I I got scared. I didn't go out from the home. And when I go out from the home, uh, hearing the sound of plane uh, homing in the sky, that's just fearing. It's fear for me. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine you have that it's, all of that in your head. It's crazy that something as simple as turning on your bathroom light mm. can cause soldiers to shoot. Like, like I do that they every single night. I can't, I can't imagine what that must be like. I, I'm so sorry that you, you, you and your family and all the Palestinian people have to go through that. It's a hard living, but we... We try to be uh, happy, we try to be uh, lovable, we try to mm -hmm. live our life in those hard conditions. Mm -hmm. We are, uh, we love to live, we love to be happy, we love to be energetic, we love to be healed, we love to be normal persons, but mm -hmm. we don't have the choice to be other, or to be like this, but we try, we try as we try our best. It would be good to know from you whether you think that the recent month and the recent weeks provide any sort of hope, like seeing people protest around the world, seeing people speak out on social media um, and trying to be an ally to, to all of the Palestinian people. Does that provide you with any hope and, and does it feel any different this time? Yes, uh, this time the world heard our side of the story. That gave us strength to defend and stand up for ourselves more than before. Because in Palestine, as Palestinians, 
we always have the hope that we are going to be free someday. But seeing all the world uh, united and saying just free Palestine, that makes us more stronger than, than before. From, from the, the point of view that we, are, we don't have any, um, let's say, <clears throat> soldiers or any army to defend ourselves, but in here, in our hearts, in our minds, in our personality, we are happy to know that our justice case are heard. That gives us more hope, but as a Palestinians always, we realize that our case and our freedom takes more efforts and more people to stand up uh, to stand up for uh, the truth. And that's what we saw in the last months and weeks. We saw more people stand up to defend our case, our justice case. Final message to the to the world. What would your what would your message be, if you could give a message? Um, the Palestinian people are kind, love, and uh, pretty smart people. I don't believe the misleading media that told you that we are terrorists. We are not. We are uh, so hopeful, so energetic, so loving for the life. And we just want to live this beautiful life. You've been so brave and I can't imagine what it must be like for you to discuss all of this in detail. Yeah, um, honestly, thank you. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been amazing. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been amazing to meet you as well. And it would be really nice to, to hear from you again. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at a cup of tea and e, where we share lots of information about what is happening in Palestine. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.